That song was arranged by a Resurrection member some years ago, Jim Winslet, putting those two songs together. And, and this morning, I appreciate the fact that he mashed them up. I appreciate it. You know, my soul is a little bit troubled today. I imagine yours is too. I sing it as well with my soul, knowing God's present with me, and at the same time know that my soul is troubled because violence always ruptures our relationships with one another, with the world, with God. And it's exactly those moments and exactly that time when we sing, come what may, God. Come what may, I choose love. Come what may, I choose hope. Come what may, I choose peace. I've already seen politicians trying to make more violence occur out of the violence that happened in Orlando. And you'll see even more of it. One of them tweeted to reap what you sow. That is not how God would have us be. That is not how the God of the Gospels, the God of all of the Scripture, the God of Song of Songs we worship today would have us be. This God would say, okay, I am still with you. Be it well with your soul, even troubled. Know that I am with you so that you can choose hope, so that you can choose peace, and so that you can choose love in the midst of this. And so as we remember Orlando and our sisters and brothers there who on Latino night were massacred, May we continue to say that we are God's people who seek to make the world a better place, which means there's a place beyond revenge. There's a place where God calls us into be agents of change. And how will we do that in our lives is yet to be seen as we respond and move and breathe into this moment of time. I wondered how much I needed to shift worship this morning, but as Reverend Vicki uh, prayed in the early service about this, right at the middle of that, uh, Mark Brown was playing on the piano, and at the end of it, he got right at the pinnacle of the prayer. It was, um, I will fear no evil. You know those moments of God being with us, even as we don't know what the next steps are. And so that's why I think it's valuable this morning that we celebrate life. I hope those people in that club were dancing. I hope they were loving. I hope they had their most favorite drink they could have that night. And I hope they were singing Song of Songs. I hope they were listening to God help them be whole. And I pray for them and their families that we can do the same. We can remember that God calls us to do the same. That we choose to respond beyond fear. We choose to respond beyond hate. We choose to respond as Jesus responded by saying there is something more to be done here. We're going to make the whole world whole. Are you with me? Are you with me to make the whole world whole? You know, I love that video with Dominique dancing. It kind of reminded me of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She's dancing down here, and they're up there. They got all the dancers moving and all that sort of stuff. And I just wanted to have the power of Peggy Lee. <laughs> the power of Peggy Lee this morning as she was sitting there in that song. You know, she's singing, Fever. She's just standing there. 
just standing there. Fever. And I'm going, my goodness, that's some power. Just stand there and go like this. <laughs> Have all those people show up and dance around you. And so as, as I was thinking of channeling Penelope, Peggy Lee this morning, I figured I wouldn't inflict my voice upon you, but just the energy of that, the energy of that is the energy of the Song of Songs about being whole, loving who you are, choosing to love with your whole being, not just your mind, not just your heart, but with your breath, with your arms, with your legs, with your whole being, that you celebrate what God has given you. That's the Song of Songs. And that's in the story of Fever this morning. That's in the Song of Prince. Didn't you love that? You know, we didn't know Elisa was going to read it to Gemma, but it works. <laughs> it, it, it works, you know. Oh, you're the reason God made a girl. No reason to be shy. No reason to be shy about it. That love's all the way within, showing from inside. No reason to be shy. That's the song of songs. There's no reason to be shy, the lovers say. You know, even if society is arraigned against us, politically, with race, with sex, because in that day and time, we can tell this is probably between lovers of two different classes, lovers of two different races, and they were being kept apart often, and they had to find ways to meet so whatever society says, to still say, I choose love and I know who I love. And to not be shy about it. Oh, goodness, Prince had some good stuff in there, didn't he? Prince had some good stuff. Come what may, God challenges us to choose wholeness. Come what may, God challenges us to choose love. The scripture reading this morning, the, the lovers are singing to one another, and it's interesting, even though we just finished the series about is it okay to call God mother and the divine feminine and all that stuff, we get to Song of Songs, and this was not planned, but as I did my study, I found out the major voice in the song is the women's voice. If you read all of the lyrics of the music together in Song of Songs, 56 of the verses are from the woman's voice and 36 of the voices are from the man's voice. And so we're into another part of scripture where the, the feminine is lifted, and we find that when it is again, it's lifted into wholeness. Instead of being just one voice, we get both voices, and the voices are mutual, they're reciprocal. There's no ownership of the other. Each gets to profess their love fully. Each gets to shout it out without shying, shying, shying away from it. So in this little bitty miracle in the scripture, uh, Vicky in the first service introduced it by saying some of the scholars call it the holy of holies in rabbi scholarship, the holy of holies. And what that meant was you didn't get to study this. It was too holy to study. You had to study and know all the law first. You had to know all the do's, all the don'ts, all the codes, all of everything before you could talk about your lover leaping like a gazelle. I wonder why that is. You had to be all buttoned up and legalized before you got the chance to say, they're leaping, they're looking through the lattice at me, and I'm looking back. 
you had to be thoroughly trained and to know what was good versus before you got to this piece of scripture, the holy of holies. Keep it away from the masses. They might read it for exactly what it is. A poem of love, a song of hope. When you do poetry like this, you invite people into your world. You invite people into the story, and that's powerful persuasion. The moment you get someone singing along with your song of love, they can be transformed, and they can hear things in a different way, whether it's an interracial relationship or a between-classes relationship or someone you think is not supposed to be together. When you get people to hear the love song, they can be transformed. In Proposition 8 in California, one of my favorite commercials of it, if you remember this or not, is a woman dressed in her wedding gown, gown trying to get to her wedding. And as she runs out to the car, she breaks the heel. And she hits her head on the door of the limo as she gets inside it. As she gets out of the limo, she's going in and her veil gets caught in the door and gets torn off. And she's trying to even get in the church building. She's not there yet. She's having a hard day. And she gets in and she falls over her father's foot. And then she's trying to get down the aisle and someone left their purse in the aisle and she stumbles again and you see her just trying to get all the way up to the altar so she can say, I do. And then in the commercial, they flashed the line on it. What would it be like if you weren't allowed to marry the one you loved? But they took them along the way in the story. What is it like to try and find and marry the one you love? And what would it be like to be prohibited from it the lover in Song of Songs says, look at him. He's a gazelle. I even have a picture of a gazelle because I didn't remember what they looked like, so I looked it up. That's a gazelle jumping, you know, because I'm a city boy. And the only kind of gazelle I knew was from the Lion King, you know, when they're dancing. <laughs> and that dancer's up in the air and dances with it, a whole herd of gazelle. Do you remember how beautiful that was? Can you see the dancer in that? Just leaping for joy, leaping full of life celebrating body and spirit in a wonderful moment. But uh, a gazelle, boy, that's some good young love, you know? We've, we've seen some of that at the shopping mall every now and then. You look at those teenagers and you say, don't they know better? <laughs> or sometimes at a movie theater you might think, oh, can't they go get a room? You know, but here it is, something not to be shy about, the scripture says something to celebrate that you have found what God most intends for you, someone to love you, someone for you to love back. And this isn't a song just for couples. This is a song for single people and for all of us because what it asks us to do is to dance into wholeness where we don't keep ourselves separated from others. Are you ready to kind of dance into wholeness a little bit? might mean you have to let go of something, whatever it is that's keeping you separated from another. There's a wonderful writer, James Nelson, a theologian, who's written several books. One of them is called Embodiment. The other one is called Body Theology. And his last book that I read was called Between Two Gardens. And in that book called Between Two Gardens, he explores the difference between the garden in Genesis, called the Garden of Eden, and the garden in Song of Songs. And he wonders, 
And he actually proposes that this song was the antidote to the horrible infection caused by the first story, the infection that said that your body was not as good as your spirit, the infection that has been interpreted through Greek culture lenses and into our day as one is better than the other. And what James Nelson says, if you look at the garden story, there's a rupture between our being, between being whole. Nakedness is seen as shame. They gather fig leaves around to cover themselves because once they know, then they feel like they must cover up. And how many preachers have preached this harmful, negative uh, way of being to us? When we sing it as well with our soul, soul in the Hebrew was nephesh, which meant wholeness, body and spirit, brain and brawn, all of it together. And so as we these days struggle with how we've misinterpreted part of what this account of creation is about, what Nelson says is, the Song of Songs is the antidote. This is the garden. This is the garden where wholeness returns. This is the garden where flesh and spirit are reunited as one, where there's no reason to do a walk of shame because God's blessing all of you. Oh, goodness. Can we pull enough fig leaves around us so we can cover up and nobody can see? Can we get a little bit more armor around us? Because maybe if we believe that and do that, it might get a little too touchy-feely. Meant in many ways. Thank you, Eileen, for laughing. <laughs> but so here we are, pulling our fig leaves around us for protection. What we've been taught to do, how to keep our safe, ourselves self, safe from one another. And this wonderful piece in the scripture is saying, let go of the fig leaves. Proclaim yourself holy who you are. Shout it out. Find that love. Express that love. Be that love for yourself and for the world. Celebrate it. What fig leaves are you holding on to tight today? Could it be my body doesn't look the way I want it to look right in this moment? Could it be I haven't done enough to earn love? Can it be maybe in another few years I'll be perfect enough to I'll actually be able to let go of these fig leaves? What fig leaves are you holding on today? Which ones would you let go of? Because the Song of Songs challenges you to do just that. Instead of sewing them together to clothe yourself with, it asks you to become vulnerable again. Even when the world is violent, it asks you to choose love. Even when you're not sure if your heart will be broken, it asks you to be vulnerable, asks you to be intimate, asks you to risk, asks you to try. Ready to let go of some of those fig leaves? That's kind of scary stuff, isn't it? But this is what the song is asking us to be, authentic before ourselves and God and one another. And I believe this is the antidote to much of the bad preaching around the Garden of Eden. I believe this also could be the antidote to what happened in Orlando. Because you see, it says bodies matter. There's no thought or idea that's more precious than anyone's body. 
There's no dogma or philosophy that gives you any power over anyone else's body. Your body is God-given and beautiful. I gave it to you. It is yours, and I love it. Perhaps if a shooter had known that about God, they wouldn't be able to kill other people's bodies. Perhaps if we believed it fully, we might treat ourselves and one another differently. I can only pray that we do. I can only pray that we hear the love lyrics that are meant for us. As we talk about love this day, I want to share one of my early moments of love with my husband, Walter. And he's over there. He said he'll correct it after worship if I don't tell it right. Well, Walter and I, I met um, 18 years ago now on April 25th. We each did not know each other, and we went to a common friend's 40th birthday party. And at that birthday party, it was, a one, it was in Memorial Park in the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday. It was a beautiful day, and April wasn't too hot yet. It's before Memorial Park had a drought. You know, it was all lush and full. It was a garden, and we were enjoying the day out there. Everyone just eating barbecue and playing volleyball. And I noticed Walter. I noticed him. He had this long curly hair all the way down to his shoulders. And he had it drawn back with this olive bandana to keep the sweat out of his face as he was playing volleyball. I noticed the droopy, saggy shorts he was wearing and the oversized T-shirt and his legs with a little tattoo on them that he won't tell me what it means. I noticed all of that stuff, and we hadn't said a word yet to each other. See, Walter was on the other volleyball team than I was, and as we played game after game after game, his team just kept losing, and our team kept winning. They were just losing. I just felt for them so bad, but I especially felt for this pretty boy on the other side <laughs> with the pretty hair and the nice legs, and as I, was, I was trying to encourage him on the other side. I said, okay. You hit it this way, or you can do it, you can do it. And um, he hadn't ever said anything to me, but every serve went out of bounds or into the back of the person in front of him or into the dirt. <laughs> yes? So, so far, so good. Um, and so, as we had done this long enough, we decided we would mix the teams up so that we might have more competitive games as we were doing this. And so, that was pretty good back then. This little body could jump up high enough to spike the ball. Just saying, not true anymore. <laughs> and so, as we switched up teams, the first words Walter ever said to me in my life, he kind of bumped against me as we went on to our side of the court on the other side, and he said, if we win, you owe me a kiss. If we win, you owe me a kiss. So he must have thought I was some kind of leaping gazelle too. So as the games went on, then we won the rest of the games that day. Our team won. But my thought, when he said that to me, when he said, if we win, you owe me a kiss, I thought, we don't have to win. We don't have to win. I'm not going to risk losing that. 
So anyway, we did win, and as the party ended, we helped put things away, barbecue this way, volleyball net and tools the other way, and we were on different teams cleaning up. And so Walter was kind of anxious to know whether or not this kiss was going to happen or not. You know, and he thought I had forgotten. So it reminded me of Rocky Horror Picture Show again, you know, this anticipation that, that happens. And so I have a little clip of you from Rocky Horror Picture. You might remember this scene. See you shiver with anticipation. There you go. He was just waiting to see what was going to happen, and I was being all Carly Simon, Heinz ketchup kind of cool. Anticipation, right? So anyway, we met at his truck with some of the last things. This truck that was old and beaten up and had a band-aid over one door on the side because it didn't work anymore. And kissed. Before we even knew anything about each other. But I believe God smiled upon us that day and said, dance and sing and play and jump know who you are, reach out and love. And now 18 years later, we argue about who said I love you first <laughs> and who saw who first and who loved the other the longest and all that kind of stuff. But it's because we're able to receive the gift of God in our bodies, in our being, and trust the beautiful way God made each of us, even with our idiosyncrasies and when we get mad at each other. One of the favorite things I used to tell conservatives when we were in arguments or debates together, and I said, you know, I just really appreciate how lesbian loves brings people to Jesus. And they'd look at me kind of crazy. Yes, I just appreciate the way lesbian love brings people to Jesus. And then, what are you talking about? And I tell the story of a woman in my congregation who went to church and another woman who thought God was just awful and that they fell in love. And they started leaping along together and finally moved in, sort of with that U-Haul. I don't remember how fast it was. <laughs> but they got together with that U-Haul, and they were learning to love each other. And as they learned to love each other, the one who thought God was horrible thought, oh, my goodness, maybe I can trust again. Maybe I can trust God again. I trust my partner. I trust this love. Maybe I can do that. They started trying church out every now and then, and then she thought, well, maybe I can do this Jesus thing. Maybe I do love Jesus. She joined church, and I say, I just think it's great how lesbian love brings people to Jesus. If we trust God, even come what may, as the song, a song says, the winner is over, it's time. The winter is over, it's time. Come what may, the winter is over, choose love. Come what may, the winter is over, be whole. Come what may, the winter is over, choose hope. Be God's people. Amen. Mm -hmm.